If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Very good evening to you and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Jay, what's with you to 10pm this evening, but it's West Ham till 8.30. We've got James Jones from West Ham World and we've got Luke Glanville this evening from West Ham Matters joining us in the studio. Good evening, chaps. How you doing? Uh, good evening. James, quickly, yep. the last few weeks we've, we've had Will in here. Yeah. What, what's, the, what's, the, what's his excuse? What's the reason? Is, is, is it a valid one? It is a valid one. He's working. He's been doing some work with uh, a newspaper and he's been interviewing someone today. So um, mm. I don't see, know who that person was. See, I've got a theory. Go on. A few weeks ago, after the show, if you remember, I introduced Will to a dating app called Hinge. <laughs> yes, I remember. And he said he's been enjoying himself. He's been, you know, he's been very busy and speaking to a lot of ladies. I think, mate, he's ditched us this evening because he's got himself a date. Perhaps so. I mean, that was an excuse he gave me, but I suppose, you know... I think you might have a point there. Yeah, I think I'm onto something. I'll have to start asking questions in the break. <laughs> so, Will, if you are listening this evening, if you're not actually on a date, just just give us a quick ring, mate, to let to let us know. But if you are on a date, well, very good luck, and I'm and I'm glad I introduced <laughs> you to Hinge. And if it all goes successfully well, then we all expect to invite to the wedding, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's been a fairly decent week for for you, chaps. Um, let's have a talk about the the draw against Liverpool. I think all the attention let's be honest, was on Liverpool with this title race. There is one this year. It is exciting. But kind of West Ham spoiled the party a little bit, would you say? I think so. I mean, in, in the build-up, everyone was saying to me, particularly at work on, on the day, on Monday afternoon, going, I've got a good feeling about West Ham. I was going, oh, don't be stupid. <laughs> You've got no chance tonight. I've got no chance. But then at the same time, I wasn't really surprised that we put in that sort of performance because... As we keep saying week after week, it's it's a very West Ham thing to do. You know, you lose to Wimbledon, you lose to Wolves, lose to Bournemouth, but then you follow up, follow that up with mm. a winning, uh, with a draw against Liverpool, and before that, the win against Arsenal. So, it was a really, really good performance. It's the sort of performance that you know we've been crying out for over the last few weeks, and you know, just hope they can build on that. Yeah, like James said, I mean, three defeats in a row, draw against Liverpool, it's it's West Ham all over and it was a fantastic performance. It seems to have raised the morale around the club, among the players and the fans. It was just a shame that an officiating decision and a shocking one at that 
let the team down and um, was the reason that the Hammers didn't get the three points. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get on to that because there, there was a few. It wasn't just the, yeah, <laughs> the one. Yeah. Um, I think we can feel hard done by, let's be honest. I think West Ham did well and uh, we were, we're say Origi right at the end as well. But let's focus on the positive and what West Ham did. I thought Declan Rice was once again superb. Again, previously on the show, I've been kind of saying, yes, he's a good player, he's a nice player, he's a young player, he's got potential, but, you know, I, I was unsure about just how good he is and how far he could go. The last probably six weeks, I think he's been superb. I mm. think you, I'd struggle to find a, a, a defensive midfielder, maybe other than Fernandinho at Man City, as, as influential right now in the Premier League. I, I couldn't disagree with that. I thought on Monday night he, he ran the midfield. He won every tackle. Um, he was a nuisance um, for, for Liverpool's attacking players. You know, He read the game brilliantly, which he has done all season. Um and then there was a moment where he got the ball and, and he ran 20, 30 yards and almost set up a goal. So he's really, every week he seems to be getting better. And I mean, looking back at that Wimbledon game, I know we sort of took at the positives, but I'm surprised Pellegrini <laughs> didn't look at yeah. bringing him on at half time because he was the sort of player that would have added a bit of calm in that midfield and where it was a complete mess. Um, so it's a bit surprised he didn't come on, but in terms of his season so far, and that performance against, I think that was probably his best performance in a West Ham shirt. By the way, I thought, I thought, I can't remember a mm. better performance than that. So, he's 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 going from strength to strength. And the only worry now is, okay, they tied him down to a new deal recently. But the only worry now is, keep paying out that, and we're going to struggle to keep. Well, it protects the value at, the, at least, doesn't yeah. it? You mean yeah. that that performance alone, I'd add a ten million quid on that. Yeah, it's funny because other fans are now starting to tell West Ham fans that they've known for a couple of years that Rice is an incredible player. Mm. He's more than just. He's he's a different level to Mark Noble in terms of players coming through the academy, and you know it's 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 um it's a worry that he won't be at West Ham forever and he won't get to fulfil that future captain billing that everyone has has kind of um, branded him as. But um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I think he's got a great attitude. So the hope is that Mark Noble's in his ear every day. Can look what I did at this football club. Mm. You know you could be. I mean he's far better than Mark Noble's ever been. Um, that's no disrespect to Noel. No, that, that that is a big statement. I say I, I raise the eyebrows, but at the same time, I kind of well, you guys would know, you know. But it's it, it's not a it's not a slight uh, Mark Noble. It's a huge compliment to to just how good Declan can be. It is, yeah. And you know, let's have, you know, let's be fair to Mark Noble. Noble's played under I think maybe ten different West Ham or eight different West Ham managers. He's seen it, it all at West Ham. Uh, and you, you know, you got you got to have something about her if you know a new manager comes in and still plays you. Mm. I did worry when Pellegrini came in, but he's still there. He's still catching the club. He's still starting these big games against Liverpool. So, it, you know, I would love it if he if he wasn't Dex here, just going, you know, look what I've achieved here. You know, don't get your red turned. The fans love you here, and you've got a great future ahead of you. But you know, try and stay here as long as you mm. can. He's, he's not going to be short of a few bob, is he? As well, I mean, that new contract's probably quite big. So, you know, good luck to him. I've just got to tie him down and uh, to even more bigger contracts. Even if it's a new contract every year, just keep him there. I'm just thinking about poor Declan's ears. He's got Ireland in one, England in the other, <laughs> Mark Noble. I mean, he's running out of ears, isn't he? But it's, it's, it's hugely impressive for, it from is, Declan. Yeah. But look, he wasn't the only guy who impressed. Uh, who else shone, shone for you against Liverpool? I think Mikel Antonio was fantastic. What, just yep. the celebration alone? Oh, yeah. I was definitely. a big fan of that. Classic. Definitely. He's, he's always done those <laughs> celebrations. But I liked that when I did. He not only scored, but he played very well. And it's interesting because October, November, it was looking like Antonio was going in January, yeah. maybe yeah. to Crystal Palace. It's been a turnaround for yeah. him. Yeah, seems to have turned it around and hopefully he can get a few more goals because that's generally what, what's missing from his game at the moment. In contrast to when he first joined West Ham, he can improve on his tally of four for the season before the, the end of the season. 
Yeah, I think you know, we we spoke even back in way back in the summer. You know, he was one player on that, on, on my list. I was expecting him to leave the club before the season mm. started. So, and he, he's had he's had a bit of a hard time. He's been playing defence. He's you know he's had all over the yeah, shop. He's had his injury right problems wing, right as well. Back. So it was really it's really good to see him really come into his own. He did say a few weeks ago that he felt as if he was back to his best because he's playing in that more attacking role now. Um, so you know I'm, I'm pleased for him, but you know. Every single player the other night played well. Um, another standout for me was Fredericks, who I think started his first game in the Premier League for five months or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and um, you're crying out for a fullback. Crying out for a fullback. New signing almost. Yeah, and it is. Do you know what? I, I love Zabaleta, but you know we all know he's not getting any younger, and we need shelf life. We need that replacement, and you know this Fredericks was outpacing Mane and Salah. He is like, ridiculously quick. I couldn't believe how quick yeah, he was. It's you know? crazy. And he looks like a completely new player. I mean, when I saw him earlier in the season, I wasn't convinced. But just on, I know it's only one uh, one performance, but it is very good. If he can keep that up, then you know we've got a really good player on our hands. Yeah, no, I know Fulham fans maybe in hindsight wish they'd they'd offered him that little bit more money he was after in terms of the contract. And same with Matt Target. You know, it's mm. just you know having decent fullbacks is is a position that's becoming more and more important as the years go by, particularly in the Premier League of the way it's uh, going. Uh, look, we're on to 8.30 this evening. Uh, West Ham fans do get in touch. 0208 70 20 558 is the number. Send us a tweet if you've got any thoughts on what the chaps are saying in the studio at Love Sport Radio. We'll be speaking to Tony Carr in around 20 minutes and also Keith Millen, uh, the former Crystal Palace assistant manager as well before 8.30. But up next, we're going to be speaking to the West Ham fan, Baz Cox. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Well, West Ham took some points from Liverpool title contenders uh, last week. Uh, Man City have got the chance to go top, back to top of the Premier League this evening. Later on, they're going to be playing uh, Everton. I'll run through team news in a little while and we'll get updates from the game uh, later on. But we've got Baz Cox now on the phone, a big West Ham fan. Baz, good evening, mate. Good evening, Chuck. You all right? Yeah, we're all good here. Thank you very much. So let's talk about that Liverpool result. a huge result. Who are you impressed with other than Declan Rice? I think we've said enough about him. I've got to be honest, mate. I thought the whole team played superb, especially after the recent performances. People, I start with Hernandez, for example. Yeah. He, he hasn't put a shift in of late, but he, he really did put a shift in on Monday, I thought. Mm. If you expect him to win Edis against someone like Virgil van Dijk, you're daft. You know, but he changed everything down and, and he ran and he gave 100%. There weren't a player on that pitch who... I thought you could say didn't give it a go and didn't try their hardest. Even down to Bonner, who I think as well has been real poor of late, but had a great game on Monday. I just think everyone played really well and put a shift in. And I put in a tweet after the game. It reminded me of West Ham of old when the games under the lights were special, when we showed no other, we didn't show our opposition any respect, got in their faces, closed them down. It didn't matter whether you was Man United or Macclesfield, you know what I mean? And and that's how it felt again at the stadium for me Monday. Mm. And now I think you, 
you've, you've pretty much mastered or, or found a way of picking up results now, maybe against the bigger sides, particularly at home. I suppose that the frustration now is finding that consistency and being able to do this around uh, against the teams around you, maybe. Yeah, and, and for me, you know, this is what West Ham has always been about. I've supported West Ham properly since like '86, going all the time, and I've never known anything different. So when people say, like the transfer window in January, yes, we needed replacements, but we didn't get them. But everyone's so disappointed, which I understand, but we've never known it any different. So I don't know why everyone's so disappointed. The problem is that the pedal store the owners have put us on now with the move to the new stadium because we've got that. People are expecting us to be a top four, top six club. We're miles off that still. That's a massive gap to catch. And... That's why we get results against Arsenal at home, against Liverpool at home. And then we'll go and get beaten. Or like we did, we went and drew at Huddersfield. We went and got smashed by a box. We went and got beaten by a Bournemouth. Now, that is what we do. That is West Ham. Mm. What did you make of the, the kind of the, the, the comments from the managers after that game, particularly from, from Jurgen Klopp? <sighs> I'm not that thing I'm allowed to say on here, am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there, there are other ways of saying it, though. But I get yeah, your point. I, to, <laughs> I, I just think, because they've done so well, and, and credit to them, and they are a good side, to a degree, it's going to sound wrong here, if you <laughs> stop their front three, I don't think they're that great. They're good, but I don't think they're that great to win a league. If they're front three play, you're in massive trouble. Whereas Man City, past their back four, all of them can play. All six will score goals. I don't think Liverpool have got that. And that's what I think the difference is. So, when it don't go Liverpool's way, when their front three don't get the rubber to green and they control the game like they do with their pace and their skill, they, they get frustrated. And I think that's what happened with Klopp. And I think it was all frustration because without them free playing and ticking, they don't have nothing else. You know, if Aguero, Sane and Sterling don't tick, that matter to Man City. They have De Bruyne, Silva and whoever else is in midfield playing for them. Would you not say that... Would you not say though, as well as those those three, they maybe had the ref as well. Yeah, of course. Or the linesman at least. Yeah, you know, and I, I think we I say what what these are because they had a lot of possession, but you, you can have eighty percent possession, but if you don't get no shots, it don't matter. And they mm. didn't really hurt us that that much, if that makes sense, with their play. Fabianski was good again. He, for me, he's been the sign of the season. So far, um, he just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And again, I just think we were so organised in defence, which kept them at bay. And and again, as I say, I just think it frustrated Liverpool, which made Klopp react how he did. All right, Baz, it's, it's James here. Um, Hi, mate. I mean, I know we've kind of we've tried to put this a little bit behind us, but I'm really keen to hear what you think about it. Um, a lot of people have been vocal about it, but obviously the whole Arnautovic thing. Uh, expected to be back in the team on on Saturday uh, against Palace. I mean, I, I said it earlier today to a couple of mates that you know if he was playing on Monday night against Liverpool, we probably would have won that game. Um, yeah. How do you how do you think that that whole Arnautovic saga in 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 January has really affected the team. Obviously, Zabaleta said it, but do you think that that, that, can be, that really can be an excuse? I do, yeah, because I think we had it before with Pyatt as well, didn't we, at the time? Mm. Um, he, he is our main striker, and without him, we, we, we struggle up front. As I say, I thought Hernandez done well Saturday, put a good shift in. 
do I think he'd score goals against Liverpool? No, because I think they'd be too strong for him, like proving and bullying him out of the game. Um, Andy Carroll, for me, not slagging the man off, but he can't even win a header now. You know, every time he goes for a challenge, he's getting booked, which kills his game. So with mm. that, we have no forwards left. So losing an out of it at that time, it just creates drama because all of a sudden, all your plans have to change because someone else has to go up front. Antonio has to drop to right back. And and everything just, just gets mixed up. And obviously there's a bad, or there would have been a bad atmosphere with certain things at the time. It was only on the Friday that he pulled out of travelling to Bournemouth. Or the, I'll say he pulled out. The manager dropped him out mm. of travelling. You know, and, and that's all plans that are gone. And that's work they've done all week, just gone to waste. Because their preparation would have included him. It's... The players must sit there on their way to there and think, what a waste of time we got this week. Now we've got to do it all again. We've got 12 hours to learn it. So, I mean, one of, my, one of my big worries is that when he does come back, particularly at home, um, you know, there's going to be a bit of a hostile atmosphere and sort of reception from the fans. You think, you know, the fans should just kind of put it behind us and, and get behind him because, you know, we, we know he's, he can be a bit of a hostile character. I, I just think, you, you know I had a phone call from him, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, right. Um, I did tweet this. After, uh, what day was it? He announced at the end of the window when he put on his Instagram story that should, uh, sorry, it was after the what, um, Wimbledon game. Oh, he yeah. Out, yeah. Said, Believe outside the club and not what you hear inside. Mm-hmm. So I commented on his post and I replied, well, what is the truth? And if you love playing in front of our fans so much and at the London Stadium, will we see you here in August? He replied to me, send me your phone number, I'll call you. Okay. I need to talk to you about Isla. So Isla's the young girl who's yeah. got neuroblastomery yeah. we're fundraising for. So I sent my number and he called me. And I was on the phone for him for 20 minutes, in fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he blatantly said on there the situation, which he said he had been playing in pain since Everton. Um, there was an offer that any man in the world would consider because his priority is his family which I totally understand. But I did say to him, I just think he had handled the situation wrong. Mm. If it's a case of leaving for, me, for more money, no one begrudges that. But be honest, you know, and if you're now standing till the summer, tell the fans with a heavy heart, the reports you've seen, I've got to announce are true because I have to make my family my priority. But from now till then, I 100% give West Ham every bit of commitment I have. Now, that way, fans would still be behind you and back you. Yeah. Same with Pyatt, you know. If he come out and told the truth, fans wouldn't hate it. I watched him at Wolves when he come out, and when he come over to clap the fans, he looked nervous. His game wasn't the same. He, he looked like he didn't even want to look at the fans when he clapped. Normally, he's looking at them, clapping, punching his chest, pointing to the ground like, I'm here, you know what I mean? And mm. There's none of that. And, and you see there's a gap between him and the fans now. When will we celebrate when he scores a culture, but we would whether it was Pyatt. We, we, not be funny if Frank Lampard still played for West Ham and scored, we'd celebrate. We wouldn't celebrate him, we'd celebrate the goal. Mm. I just hope we don't have fans that... Cause he's stuck now, he's with us till the summer. If we boo him, we're going to get nothing out of him. I agree with I'm that. not saying yeah. he's right, I'm not saying that at all, you know. Um, but sometimes you just got to ignore it so it doesn't get made worse or support it as much as you can mm. without making him your favourite. You know, he was a hero at West Ham to many fans and I think he has lost part of that status. 
But whether we want to admit it or not, his ability, which I'll never know, is phenomenal. And he's a great footballer. Yeah, I agree with that. Baz, top stuff, mate. Really appreciate your time this evening. You're welcome. Thank you. There we are. Uh, Baz Cox, phone call from the man himself. Very, very interesting stuff indeed. Right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to chat to the chaps in the studio about that and also continue to talk about Liverpool. Also, uh, the Billy Bonds news today and also uh, reports of, of that abuse that, that Mo Salah received during that game. We'll get the guys in the studio's take on that as well. We've all got one and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. Okay, welcome back. Just going to run through the team names for this game at 7.45. It is Man City up against Everton. A reminder, Man City can go top if they take all three points this evening. Two changes uh, for Man City's lineup. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is benched and a reshuffle sees John Stones replace him. Um, but he probably won't be playing in midfield. But uh, you never know, really, do you, with a, with a pep side. But anyway, uh, we'll try work out what the team is. It's Edison in goal, uh, Walker right back, I believe, and Stones, Otamendi centre-half with Laporte, I think, playing full-back. Uh, then Fernandinho and Gundogan in midfield with David Silva. And then a front three of Leroy Sane and Bernardo either side of Aguero and they're not very helpful as well with Man City when they do those team lineups they do it on Twitter and they don't put it in formation so I'm mm. kind of guessing I think Laporte's at left back um, and I think that Bernardo Silva and Sane will be either side of um, Sergio Aguero uh, for Everton uh, Richarlison is on the bench this evening uh, helpfully though they have done a formation for me so I can tell you exactly who the team is and where they're playing Pickford is left back. No, he's not. He's in goal. Pickford is in goal. Uh, John Joe Kenny right back. Michael Keane, Kurt Zuma, uh, Luca Dean. And uh, then we've got uh, Ben Davis. Uh, not Ben Davis. Tom Davis. Uh, is Idrissa Gana Gay, Andre Gomez, Theo Walcott, Dominic Calvert Lewin, and Bernard. A 7:45 kickoff there. Okay, interesting stuff there from from Baz. A uh, phone call from the man himself. Yeah, I mean it's it's good to. I mean I, I completely missed that on Twitter uh, the other day, but um, no, it does it does show that you know. I, I, and he does care. Yes, very um, interesting. And I, I, you know, I didn't, I never actually believed for a minute that he didn't. Um, and I always understood the argument that you know he's got, he's been up with all that money, chance to you know make a real better life for his family, you know, fair play. But we always just wanted a bit of honesty, which is what Baz was saying. You know, we just wanted him to be honest, and you know, hopefully we can we can put all that behind us now. And you know, I, I do fear that he's going to get booed at London Stadium eventually mm. uh, I just hope it's only small little pockets and it doesn't really affect his mentality because we do need him yeah and he is the kind to down tools isn't he if he's not yeah. feeling your love regardless of whether he deserves it or not but back to the, the game against Liverpool um, Mark Noble's comments we're talking about the title race he said he could sense the fear sniff it that he could feel that Liverpool were a little bit nervous. Now, the last two games, they could have extended the leave over Man City because they've dropped points against Newcastle. I think two seven points if they've mm. beat, beaten you guys, but they've drawn against Leicester and they've drawn against West Ham. How much do we read into that? Are Liverpool bottling it or should we give maybe a little bit more credit to, to Leicester and West Ham for, for taking points from them? It's got to be both, I think. Um, I think both, both West Ham and Leicester deserve a lot of credit for taking the points. Um 
but there's always that uh, that feeling that Liverpool are beginning to to bottle it a little bit because you know that's what they did only a few years ago, um, and you have to feel as if you know that could happen again. Yeah, I think the level of performance has certainly dropped. They've got a few injuries, but um, they, I think they did look quite apprehensive, and the way they've blown away teams earlier in the season, mm. we didn't we didn't see any evidence of that at all. The, the front three were were quiet, which was a huge surprise. It's only really Mane scoring from an offside goal. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Who do you reckon's going to win it? Well, I said this does last it, does week. Does it change weekly depending on who who does what, or have you kind of stuck your name to to a mast? Are you going to stand by it? I'm going to stand by it. I said this last week when we had we had Aaron uh, and Will, and I got absolutely nailed for saying I want Liverpool to win it. I mean, they were. They yeah, were... I didn't ask who you want to win it. I asked who you think you're going to win it. I think Liverpool... nobody wants Liverpool to win it. I I'm do. Liverpool... Why do you do. want Liverpool to win I, it? I explained James? this last week. I'm not going oh. over it again. Um, Go on, summarise. Uh, I just, I've, I've always had a bit of soft spot for them. Um, you know, I don't. Mate, that says more about you. <sighs> yeah, maybe, maybe it does, maybe it does. Um, but I, I, I do want them to win it, and I do believe that they will win it. Mm. Um, but not with performances like, <laughs> like like Monday night. No, honestly, it's, it's a strange one for me because I, I, we joke, and I know everyone's joking, saying it'd be the worst thing in in the world for yeah. all football fans if Liverpool won it because you never hear the end of it. The last couple of years, I've I've probably enjoyed watching Liverpool more than any other side, but then my kind of head also tells me it'll be really frustrating and annoying. Um, so I kind of I'm, I'm undecided, but my my gut tells me that Man City will win it eventually. Uh, what about you, Luke? I'm back in Manchester City all the way. Firstly, because I do believe they're going to win it. Secondly, because of the Liverpool thing. Ever since the, <laughs> the 2006 FA Cup final, oh, I, right, I, what? You're I holding think I was, grudges. I was only five years old at the time, but but my dad's <laughs> memories of that day are so are so vivid, and it and sounds you, you like take such them a, on for yourself. So, yeah, such a horrible experience. I mean, God, no, <laughs> yeah. I'll always be bitter about that. All right, um, Klopp's comments. Then he has made a few excuses after the game. I mean, let's be honest, they got lucky. James Milner was offside; that goal shouldn't have counted. Divock Origi as well towards the end. I mean, how they didn't see that one, I can almost understand with the Milner because the linesman, if you see it. I mean, he's not in play, it's the linesman's fault, but you can understand why he couldn't see he was offside. But the Origi one is like, man, what are you looking at? And luckily, Fabianski saved it. Um, a rubbish shot, though, wasn't it? I mean, it was, because he's a rubbish player, so you were kind of lucky it was Origi <laughs> and not... No, but it is, if it had yeah, been Firmino, Mane or Salah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Then, you've, then you've lost that game. I mean, it's, it's somewhat bemusing. It, it kind of, to me, going back to almost the title thing, it looked like a man under pressure and trying, trying to find excuses, because for me as a neutral watching that, Liverpool got so lucky, and I couldn't believe what Klopp was saying afterwards. I mean, it's, it's Klopp all the way, though. He loves an excuse. And I've, I've come across a, a thread on Twitter of all the excuses he's made at, mm. uh, at Liverpool. And um, I think he's mo- previously he's moaned about the length of the grass. Didn't yes. he moan about the snow against Leicester? Um, did you see what he did, by the way, in that game? Yeah, I saw it. They, yeah. only, they only brushed the snow off. Our, our our Leicester's half yeah. um, to help them, yeah. and then complained afterwards about the conditions. Yeah, I mean it, it's Klopp all over. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know, Baz was right when he said, you know, if it doesn't go their way, they're you know they're annoyed. So, but it does annoy me that you know everyone's going on about what Klopp said and Liverpool's poor performance. But what about us? You know, yeah, what about us? Because we played superbly, and and Noble's comments after about and I think it was just poking the stick a little bit, but it was superb. But it kind of added to the evening. Uh, very, very quickly, um, James, you, you had a poll uh, regarding some big news as well uh, announced today in Billy Bonds, right? Yeah, so after the announcement of the Billy Bonds stand going to be opening in a couple of weeks' time, uh, I asked our followers on Twitter, who, if they could bring one player back, who would it be? 
because everyone would love to see Billy Bonds come mm. back purely just to make that 800th appearance that he never got. Yeah. Um, and we've had quite a few replies. Uh, mostly the same, though. I mean, we've had a few for Alan Devershire. Um, uh, loads for Tony Cotty. Tony Cotty for his goals. Um, Dean Ashton was a surprising one. Um, purely because you know, know? He, he scores a lot of uh, he scores a lot of goals, and it's a shame that you know he had to cut his career short. Massively, so, um, and a couple for Payet, which surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how serious those ones are, we're not too sure. Yeah. Uh, just going back to Klopp very quickly. Uh, complained about long grass, short grass, wet grass. But did he complain about Snodgrass? No, he did not. No, that's a shame. <laughs> but if he could have done, he would have. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about Billy Bonds, uh, Liverpool, and various other things. We're going to be joined by the legend that is Tony Carr. Love Sport, 558 AM. Welcome back to the West Ham Fan Show here on Loveport Radio. We've got James Jones from West Ham World and we've got Luke Lanville from West Ham Matters in the studio. But delighted to say that we've got Tony Carr, West Ham legend, on the phone. Tony, good evening. Hi, Jake. All right, lovely. Thank you. Top, top stuff. Uh, we're going to go straight into and ask you about Billy Bonds, a good mate of yours and some great news. Yeah, really pleased for Bill. He's um, obviously a massive legend at West Ham. Heart on his sleeve. Left every inch of sweat on the pitch, you know, and gave blood and guts for the club and richly deserved. Mm. Have you had a chance to speak to him? No, I haven't had a chance to speak to him. Uh, I, I found this out uh, on Friday. I was um, I bumped into Trevor Brooking and Trevor told me they're going to name a stand after him. So I wasn't, wasn't sure when it was going to be announced, but uh, no, pleased for him, yeah. Yeah, what what kind of guy is is Billy Tony? Is he kind of the shy away from this kind of attention, or secretly think he's loving it? He's been waiting for this moment. No, I think he's one that that doesn't you know sit you know kindly in the line in the limelight. He prefers to keep a quiet life. Very much a family man. You know, likes to get on with his job, do his job, and then you know get off home. But uh, he's that sort of guy, and. Um, very private, but I'm sure him and his family will be, you know, privately very, very pleased and honoured that the club have seen fit to do this for him. Yeah, I mean, and it's richly deserved, I have to say again. Now, Tony, you've seen some proper legends in your time uh, at West Ham, even you know, watching as a fan, as a player. Where where does Billy yeah. rank? Because I mean, an incredible amount of appearances and, and played for him for, for so so long. But as a footballer, how how good was he? Where does he rank? Uh, he's up there with the best. He has to be up there with the best. You know, in terms of his longevity, you know, his commitment, desire, you know, gave everything for the club in every single game. Played up till he was 40, 41 years of age at the top level. And um, I think he's the best ever signing West Ham's ever made in terms of they bought him from Charlton for a very um, basic fee in, at the time. And, um, you know, got that... Got that, you know, that um, got that back in bucket loads over the years. Hmm. Never played for England, though. I find that unbelievable. Yeah, he was. Um, funny enough, he, was, he did get picked for England, the England squad, um, a couple of times, and and he was told. Um, in, he got picked for England, and he was told by Ron Greenwood, uh, who was the England manager at the time, 
that he was going to play uh, in the following weekend's fixtures, you know, the following week's fixtures. And it just so happened West Ham played on, a, I think, a Friday or a Saturday prior to the international, and Bill got injured. So he lost his opportunity. So he, uh, he was the one, you know, he would have got an England cap, and um, that would have been a nice accolade to go along with all the other things he's he achieved in the game and, and the plaudits he's got in the game. So it, fate, you know, fate worked against him, and it just wasn't to be. Tony, I mean, this is a little bit of a trivial question, but um, for someone that lo- loves his stats like like me, uh, I'm looking at uh, Billy, uh, Billy Bond's appearances, and he made 799 appearances. Um, Unbelievable. Uh, do, do, do you know whether that grates on him a little bit, that he never made his 800th? Can't roll him out for one more. <laughs> yeah, just sign him for one more um, game. To be honest, I don't think it would be, it would play on Bill's mind. It would have been nice to have rounded it up to 800. Yeah. That would have been nice. And I, th- I know we're not talking about, we're talking about Bill, but if you look at Potts' stats, Stevie Potts' stats, I think he was about one or two away from 600 appearances. Yeah. And you know, overall, and he, he missed out in his last game at the club, he was sub, and I think he could have got on and got 600 and he didn't get on. So, um, you know, those, those they're, they're stats that are, that are nice at, at the end of your career, but I don't think it'll play on Bill's mind too much. Um, Tony, if, if West Ham were, were thinking, when they were thinking about naming the East Stand, do you think there could have been any other candidate, really? Because I don't think there was any other option than Billy Bonds. No, I think you'd have to think long and hard about who else could have sort of pipped him, topped him. You've got Trevor and you've got uh, Moro. Uh, Bobby Moore, so you know the Billy Bonds. I think is the you know is the next one off the tongue. You know, surely there's nobody else that really deserved it more than Bill. So no, I don't think there is anybody else. You know, you've put me on the spot there. I can't think. I really can't, honestly. One day Declan Rice might have a stand after him. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. He, he was superb on Monday night. No, he was terrific, Declan. He was. Uh, He's grown and grown this year, and he's uh, matured fantastically well. And I think he's, uh, he's, he's gone beyond most people's expectations, and good, that's good luck to him, and that's all credit to him, yeah. I mean, just on Declan Rice, I mean, he's been nominated for, um, uh, for the London Football Awards as Best Young Player. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, how do, you, how do you fancy his chances of winning that? I mean, it would be a great achievement so early on in his career. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who else is in the running, but uh, certainly he would—he he certainly should be in the running. I'd, I'd have to see the rest of the uh, nominate, nominees to make a decision on that, but it wouldn't surprise me that he end up getting it, especially if he, you know he keeps this form going for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I think he's he's in there with a shout. He really is. Yeah, I mean, but just in general, that that game against Liverpool, it was. It felt like the atmosphere, it, just everything around that game. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was it was like the old days when it was brilliant. No, I think it was a great performance, and uh, that's what makes it so puzzling, isn't it? You know, recent results, and um, but you know, certainly the the odds before the game and all the pundits before the game, you could only see you could only see a Liverpool win, and if you look at it on the night, it was West Ham that deserved to win. Liverpool's goal was offside, and we played better and. Mark should have scored, and he readily said that in his after-match interview. He should have scored, and there was one other chance that went begging Declan Rice's header yeah. should have scored. So, 
yeah, we were unlucky, you know, not to win that. I think we deserved it. I think we just edged it. Tony, do you think that? You know, I mean, a lot was said. A lot was said at uh, Alton Park about you know Alton Park under the lights, and those games can be really special. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that we're we're beginning to get a little bit of that in Stratford? Obviously, you know, it's only been two and a half seasons, but you know, recent form there's been good, and particularly sort of like those evening games under the lights, that we seem to be putting on some really good performances. I think it, you know it was difficult to leave Upton Park, and, and that first year was tough. It has to be said. You know, different surroundings, a uh, little bit of unrest with some of the fans. But certainly it's becoming home now. It's, um, I think the club and the team starting to settle into the stadium and it's now becoming part of, you know, the future of West Ham United. And, mm. yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's becoming to look like a tough place to come for the opposition. Whereas at, at the beginning, it was a, a place of invitation to the opposition to come and expand and play their game. But... Certainly, um, I think we are settling into it. I think the um, all the hitches and all the, the 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 things that were not quite right about the stadium have slowly been put into place. And yes, I think the, the team's settling into it. And you know, certainly this season, some of the home performances—Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, Liverpool—it's been some great performances at home this year. So. Yeah, let's, let's hope we go on from strength to strength. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. Absolute pleasure speaking to you as always, mate. We'll speak to you soon. Okay, guys, all the best. Thank you. Cheers. That was a legend. That is uh, Tony Carr. Uh, and as you mentioned there about the stadium, I absolutely agree. starting to feel like a, a proper home now. We're not talking about that negativity anymore. And doing things like naming a stand after Billy Bonds is, is, is a great idea indeed. Uh, again, just to reiterate the news, Billy Bonds uh, naming a stand for him at the London Stadium. 21-year playing career between 67 and 88. Also received an MBE for services for football back in 1988. But the biggest award for him... Well, I'm sure you'll have to ask him, but I'm sure it's right up there getting a stand named after him at his beloved West Ham. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. This is Love Sport. Yeah, welcome back. West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport on to 8.30 this evening. 0208 70 20 558 is the number. At Love Sport Radio is the Twitter handle. If there's anything you want to ask the guys this evening, you've got another 45 minutes to do it. Uh, just kicking off in the Premier League is Everton against Manchester City. Uh, big news for, for Everton that... Um, Richarlison and Gilfie Sigurdsson both dropped to the bench. Tom Davies captains them. Um, I found that very interesting. Not the first time, though. He has done, but I'll run through the teams. Pickford in goal for them. Kurt Zuma and Michael Keane centre-halves. Luca Dean left-back. John Joe Kenny right-back. Idrissa Garnagay is holding with Andre Gomez and Tom Davies in front of him. And Phil Walcott and Bernard either side of Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, for Manchester City. Um, cool. What a side that is. Edison in goal, Otamendi and Stone centre halves, Walker and Laporte as full backs with David Silva, Gundogan and Fernandinho in midfield, and Bernardo Silva and Leroy Sane either side of 
that half-decent striker, Sergio Aguero. You may have heard of him before. Uh, updates throughout the rest of the show. So uh, great stuff there from Tony Carr. And just kind of just to finish on, on the Billy Bond thing and the other players that um, you know could potentially get a stand named after him. It's, it's pretty much the pinnacle, isn't it, for, for a footballer. But we had a little chat during the break of you know the likes of Dean Ashton because he was somebody that was, was mentioned in, in the poll that you threw out there, James. Mm-hmm. And well, I find it interesting that you can have a player like Billy Bonds who plays your fear for 50 years and makes 9,000 appearances and you can get similar players like that and I'm not going to name names of other players like that at other clubs but sometimes you can only be there for like 18 months or even a year. You can have such an impact and feel such a connection with the fans and I suppose Dino is such a great example of that. I mean, he's not going to get a stand named after him but you know, it's kind of a notable mention of you know, how, how players can leave a lasting memory with, with fans. Yeah, I think with Dean Ashton's concerned, I think... That... I mean, he was brilliant for us when he was before he had that him. really poor injury in, uh, for England and uh, in England training. And you know, it was for, for. I mean, I don't think we've had a, a, as good a striker since. And I think it was at a time when we, you know, we were crying out for a goal scorer and it looked like we finally got one. And um, and then that happened. And you know, it was such such a shame that he ended up having to retire as a result of that injury. Mm. And I think I think the fact that he came back. And he was trying to come back, and he was scoring a few goals when he came out from the initial injury, and he he kept trying to work hard, kept trying to give the club one hundred and ten percent, despite obviously playing in pain. And the fans, you know, resonated with that. And I mean, he always, you know, he scored some fantastic goals. He always played so well for us. So, and it was, you know, he ended up retiring as a West Ham player, and we've kind of loved him yeah. ever since. Is there any other player? Because I think like a legend at a football club. It, they they have to tick certain boxes. Now, yeah. Dean, I don't think, can quite tick into that, although lots of notable memories. But he can become a hero to certain people. To, uh, that, that can be an individual thing. Um, throughout your time supporting West Ham, is there any kind of heroes who people ha- perhaps, for, for you, wouldn't consider maybe as, as legends for the football club? I think you, you've got legends, then you've got cult heroes with yeah. West Ham. So a player like Carlos Tevez, for example, falls into that bracket. One all, season? Yeah, and he was injured for half of it. It was basically just a few months. Yeah. Where he, he scored nine or ten goals and it was those goals that kept West Ham in the Premier League. Um, so he definitely falls into that bracket. Yeah, I mean, I've got some of my own personal ones. Which, Go on, let's hear them. Um, for some reason, I used to love uh, Julian Faubert. Legend. When he I mean, got that move to Real not, Madrid, I know, and he fell asleep like, on the what? bench. Yeah, I just, I just, I love, I love the guy. Um, Carlton Cole. Yeah. Um, some Carlton some people Cole. will call him a hero. Some will call him a legend. He's yep. a legend in my eyes. Always yep. will be. Um, James Collins only left last summer. Legend for me. Um, you know, and then you do have heroes. As, you know, as Julian Forbear. I love that. Julian Forbear. That's about as That's kind of hero. left field as I wanted, mate. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how can you not love Julian Forbear? Just, I, don't, I, I think other people may have reasons. <laughs> I, I just don't know how you couldn't. Um, Carlos Terriz is up there, obviously. And I mean, if I'd have known we were talking about this, I would have had them all lined up. But I've got loads. Players I look back on and go, oh, I wish mm. he still played for us. No, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. I love it. Um, cult heroes. Again, West Ham fans get in touch if there's anyone um, the chaps haven't mentioned. Who did you love seeing? Who isn't necessarily what you'd class as a legend? Uh, love Sport Radio, Twitter handle. Great stuff. Okay, uh, let's have another chat, though. So, about players who didn't play at the weekend, um, but could. 
moving forward. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily talking about the, the Fulham game now, but it, it was it was really interesting to see how many players were not involved against Liverpool. And again, I felt that people were talking about Liverpool, talking about the players they were missing. And I follow someone, a, a West Ham fan on Twitter, and he was kind of like, oh, imagine if Liverpool had all these players, Lanzini... Anatovic, Lanzini, Balbuena. Oh, wait, no, that's not Liverpool, it's West Ham. You are missing so much more players than them. And obviously you got that result. So how positive is that? You've got all these players nearing a return who's only going to strengthen this side that is improving, it feels, kind of month on month at the moment. I think it's interesting because West Ham have actually played very well when we've had a lot of injuries this season. Mm. I was saying to James last week that our, our winning run was mostly without Anatovic and we scored... 10 goals, I think, without Arnautovic. Mm. And the clubs had so had to get used to having such a big injury list in recent times. Players like Andy Carroll, Winston Reid, Diefra Sacco before he left, Arnautovic now, Lanzini, they've always had at least an injury or two a season and sometimes big ones as well. So I think West Ham are quite quite well equipped to, to cope with it. Yeah, it's a strange one. I mean, you know, I've got the names in front of me that are like Arnautovic and Nasri expect to be back this weekend yeah. against Palace. Really um, off, because, like, say, for instance, Luton said Winston Reid. Yeah. Completely forgotten about Winston Reid. Yeah, a lot Reed. of people have, This yeah. is what happens, though, when you've got so many injuries. You're kind of looking at, well, who's next back? You know, Lanzini, he's been a long, long time. When he comes back, that will that will be like having a new signing yeah. again. And say, same with Winston Reid. At one point, he was so vitally important to your defence. Yeah, exactly. And, you know... I mean, Winston Reid at one point was, you know, being linked with big moves. I mean, Arsenal, big top, you know, I Arsenal, that one. Tottenham. I think yeah. Man United were in, interested, and okay, yeah, he's had his injuries, but you know, there's no doubt that he'll, you know, he'll strengthen our defence when he comes back. But I, I don't think we'll see him this season. I think his injury's that bad. But you know, Lanzini just getting back into training. We should see him in the next month or so. Um, Yarmolenko might seem to be the end of the season a lot of people forget so he still plays I know, for us I know. Um, and he was just getting into form when he did his Scored Achilles that great goal didn't he just before that, that yeah. injury um, you know who else have we got Frederick's just come back Balbuena obviously uh, Carlos Sanchez who was a squad player when he came in so you know we don't think we're missing him as such but again it's another long term injury that we've got so um, there's so many yeah, so many I think at one point we had nine first team players out injured um, and you know, s- slowly but surely they're coming back. And as you said, they're only going to strengthen strengthen us. And you know, off the back of a, a positive result against Liverpool, a big boost because Nasri was a great signing for us, I think, in the end. Mm. Um, even the stick he got, and you know, he's been a bit of a, a loss over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want players to be out injured and continue to be out injured and unavailable. But it is an interesting point, isn't it, to to see how you have performed without certain players. And I, and I will pick Anatovic out as the example that you know he is lauded as one of your better players and I think that has to be accepted mm-hmm. he is a very very good player but he's also a very sellable asset but you've coped just fine without him so now I'm not saying don't pick him but I'm saying does it make the thought of being without him maybe in the summer and selling him now kind of a little easier once you've seen what you can do without him, it does. It does in a way because some teams can play better without certain players, regardless of how good they are. Yeah, and as as uh, Luke quite rightly said, you know, when we went on that four game winning run, uh, Arnautovic limped off in the the first half of that second game, and we went and after the moment he got the moment he limped off, he limped off at nil nil, I think, and we after that we went and scored was it nine or ten goals in two and a half games without him on the pitch. Yeah, so we proved then that we can do it without him, but. Um, and we proved on Monday night that we can, you know, we can perform um, without him in the team. But at the same time, it doesn't mean to say that we're, we're not a better team 
without him because we are uh, with him because we are we are a better team with him in the uh, with him playing. But you know, it does it is quite reassuring that we have proven this season that without without him playing, you know, we can still go in and win football matches and score yeah. goals. Because I remember a situation. I mean, you know, I like to kind of relate it back to Leicester, but with with Riyad Mahrez and when when he was so important to us and so creative to us. All teams used to do is just realise if you stopped stopped Riyad Mahrez playing for for us, we had so little else. Now I'm not saying it's the same, but I would maybe draw comparisons that you know when West Ham play with Marko Arnautovic, it's natural for the West Ham players to want to give the ball to Marko Arnautovic because you you look towards your best players, mm. and also it's natural for the opposition to think, oh, who do we stop here to get the best chance of winning this game? And they'll try maybe double up on Marko Arnautovic. It sometimes can just almost release the shackles a little bit on on the rest of the eleven players and bring the best out of them. To not think Luke I think that there's a perfect example recently the Wolves game Arnautovic came back the team looked very constricted very shackled obviously he's a player that dictates the play yeah. when, when he's playing and then he, he gets injured in that Wolves game comes off and such a free and free-flowing performance against Liverpool on Monday without Arnautovic it's it's certainly an interesting point I mean if he does go West Ham can definitely cope without him but there does need to there does need to be a replacement. Yeah, um, interesting one, isn't it? And I, I think you can cope without him. Uh, just a quick one. Uh, we have to mention it. Uh, news again breaking today. West Ham uh, are investigating after a video emerged of a fan racially abusing uh, Mohamed Salah during that game on, on Monday evening. Um, I don't think there's a huge amount we can say about it. I think what I will say is that it's quite evident that it's only one fan. It's it's not a selection or a, a section of fans all chanting mm. racist abuse. Um, but nonetheless, not not good to hear. Uh, what are your chaps' thoughts on it? It's, it's disappointing to hear. It's embarrassing that it still goes on in, in, in you know, this day and age. Took twenty nineteen, and you still got people that think it's right to, to say those sort of things to another human being. Um, it's it's not just a problem in football though it's a problem in society that this is still going on and you know it's good that the the club have acted quickly to investigate and the police are getting involved as well and hopefully whoever that person is is you know is is caught and, and banned from football and and you know and, and punished by the police as well all i can do is echo what james has said there really it's just chilling news really disappointing news as well and all, you know, all we can do is hope that whoever it was can be brought to proper justice by the club and by the police. Yeah, almost in a, in a strange way, it's, it was a, a good thing that this was... Because obviously somebody, as you do, was just filming the corner, filming a bit of the action, and you can just pick up, you can hear the guy behind it. It's, it's very clear he is a man and there's only one and behind it. It's always one of the, the, the pros of something like this that you will identify that fan because mm. there's one and you know where they are. And it, you know what, in, 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 a, in a good way, because you want these idiots out. Yeah. And you know similar things happened uh, um, at uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea. Um, Slowly but surely, we'll, we'll get rid of them. Yeah, and you know they've all been identified. Those fans that have been um, have been guilty of the same thing this season. So you know it's good. Yep, and just very quickly, West Ham in their statement said a zero tolerance policy to any form of violent or abusive behaviour. We're an inclusive football club. Anyone identified committing an offence will have their details passed to the police and will face a lifetime ban from the London Stadium. There's no place for this kind of behaviour at our stadium. Uh, Very, very well said indeed. We'll update you as and when there are news on that. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.
Yeah, welcome back. West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport. Jake Watson with you. I've also got Luke Lanville and James Jones in the studio. So yeah, I did mention obviously Everton, Man City, also West Brom, Brighton, a couple of other games as well, which I will keep you up to date on just in case you are interested. There's a small matter of a Copa del Rey semi-final this evening between Barcelona and Real Madrid. And a little interesting stat out there for you statos. If Real Madrid win this evening, they'll go level with the all-time results between the two clubs, which has been the first time in over 20 years since they've been level on, on ever wins. There you are. There's a useless bit of information for you to never use ever again. Love, love useless stats. I mean, they've also still got to win the game, so it's, it's not even a stat yet. It may be a stat. So that's how you, it's a useless, not even quite true yet stat. So get that. Even that, better. I've peaked. I've peaked. Um, also, Aberdeen Rangers, Celtic Hibernian, and they said West Brom Brighton. But that kicks off in just a couple of moments. Um, before the end of the show, we will, of course, preview Crystal Palace. We'll get your views, squad selections, how you want to do things, how you think you should go about it, how do you think they will go. Also, we're going to join by Keith Millen, former Crystal Palace Palace. Palace assistant manager before the end of the show. But before that, um, there's the London Football Awards, which we, we, we spoke to Tony about uh, in the previous hour. We've got a couple of, of nominations. And also, we've kind of been doing your own poll as well about player hammer of hammer of the year, James. Explain. Well, yeah, no, the performance on Monday night sort of got me thinking that, you know, there were so many good performances from the, from the lads that night. And Got me thinking about the whole season so far and who's impressed, who hasn't, you know. And a lot of people are going, you know, oh, oh, you know, Fabianski's hammer of the year so far. Declan Rice is up there, so I thought I'd ask our followers the question, you know, you know, if, if the season stopped now, who who would your vote be? Because the fans vote on on yeah. hammer of the year, and um, we've had we've had quite a few, quite a f- uh, you know, quite a few different. I think Issa Diop. Got three percent of the of the of the vote, which is a little bit harsh on his. Yeah, is that because he's he's not been great, and you've just had to pick somebody else, or because the other two of of, of Rice and Fabianski have been outstanding? Yeah, I mean the the two options I gave um, was Declan Rice, Fabianski, um, and they're Rice on forty six percent, Fabianski on forty nine percent. So Fabianski's winning wow, it at the it's moment. Close though, it's close. Um, and then Isidiop was my other selection before my other offer was was other. Please comment below. Okay, these are the interesting ones because I think some people will be more serious than others. I'm sure you've there's a, there's a couple. Everyone taking it seriously. Uh, everyone apart from one, which makes me laugh. But I mean, we've had Philippe Anderson. Um, Let, no, I want to start with the the, the one who's not taking it seriously, please. Well, Ch- Charlie Wilson reckons Declan Fabianski should be hammered here. Yeah, um, we were no. Me and Luke preferred Lucas Rice. Yeah. Lucas Rice sounds better. a little bit better than it. That's yeah. better. Yeah. Go back to the drawing board, mate. Tweet in again and do we'll, it again, Charlie. Yeah, um, must do better. Philippe Anderson, a shout. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that, I have to say, if, you, if you're doing a top three, I mean, obviously you guys see week in, week out, but for somebody who's really impressed me, I think Philippe Anderson has been brilliant. But you're saying if you're going to pick a three, Diop just slightly edges him out, do you think? I, I, do you know what? I don't even know what my thinking was when I put Issa Diop in the, in the three. I oh, so you now are you now backtracking? I'm not. Yeah, maybe uh, I am. A little maybe bit. I am. I don't know. Luke, Look. what do you reckon? Top three. We've got Rice Fabianski. If you're going to pick another one, if you're going to pick another one, just for the sake of having three people in a poll, who do you go for? I think before Christmas, Diop was probably up there with Fabianski and Rice. But the last couple of games, he's been without Balbuena and he, he's struggled a little bit. Mm. He's made a few little errors. So it probably is Anderson at the moment, but. But Diop's still a good shout. Anderson's been fantastic. I mean, nine goals in all competitions, club record signing, so much pressure. First season in England, 
it's he's been superb. Yeah, no, I thought he was going to be a bit of a, a, a money, big money flop. I thought it was going to be okay, but not worth that kind of cash. I think he's been brilliant. But on your centre-half partnership as well, it was an interesting one. Seeing from Tim Vickery, the South American football expert, and he was massively unsure about Balboina, how he'd how he'd do in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Easter Diop was, was highly rated, spent a lot of money on him. And initially, I have to say, it didn't really look like much of a partnership. It looked like, oh, oh God, um, you know, maybe, maybe you should have kept James Collins, but we find ourselves in February now and, and the two of them, you've got Issa Diop potentially in the top three of the year and people thinking, oh, Balbuena's, we need to get him back. It, it's good, isn't it? It's brilliant. Um, as you said, a lot of people worried when uh, were worried when James Collins was released in the way that he was. But yeah. And yeah, the money spent on this Diop, although he's a promising centre-half, it was a little bit, you know, a bit of a gamble. Balbuena less so because he was so cheap. But both of them have been absolutely fantastic. And yeah, we do miss Balbuena. And that partnership has really, you know, come into its own. Uh, Diop took a little bit of time to get going. I think Balbuena sort of hit the ground running a little bit, a little bit more experienced. But yeah, it's it's great to have a nice little partnership. And Ogbonna's come in, he's looked a little bit shaky. But again, Ogbonna sort of filled that gap well on, yeah. on Monday night. Okay, so we've got obviously our West Ham awards here. We, we can't decide between Rice and Fabianski. It's pretty tight. We've got Diop. Honourable mentions for Diop and, and, and Felipe Anderson. Usually, when you kind of go down the lists of, of these award nights, then get a young player of the year. Again, Declan's got that. Yeah. So let's just go a little bit left field here, just because just because we can. Most improved. The one that, you know, when you were a kid growing up, the one award you didn't want to win. But there is a reason why they hand it out. Who who were you maybe unsure about? There could be a new signing and they started pretty poorly but have, have improved constantly. Or someone who you thought with all the changes this year was going to find themselves left out but has actually surprised everyone and has become an important part of this team under Pellegrini. There's only one name. Absolutely. Who cool. is it? Cool. Robert Snodgrass. Yes. Snoddy. Bobby Snoddy. It's great, isn't it? He's what? a really good player. Yeah. I don't know what's happened. I thought he was gone. Yeah, when Pellegrini well, he said he turned was up. Gone. When Pellegrini turned up, I just expected. Well, he's not going to want Robert Snodgrass in his team. He's not a Pellegrini sort of player. Turns out, he like he absolutely loves him, and he's playing every week for us and playing really well for us as well. He's he's been fantastic. I mean, I don't know how sustainable it is. It's a bit like with Zabaleta. He's he's you know he's he's getting older, but he's been fantastic. And up until he's he's had a run on the bench, he could have been a contender for Hammer of the Year as well possibly still is yeah I love it Robert Snodgrass as well great guy I watched him for years um, when I was working up in Norwich and such a good player and I always felt slightly underrated ended up going to Hull and with the greatest respect I felt like he deserved a bigger and better move at, at the time and then obviously that season they got relegated when he bought me in the January he was absolutely tearing it up for them he was scoring so many goals and I thought brilliant signing for West Ham and obviously it didn't it didn't work out initially mm. But he's kind of reinvented himself as well in almost a, a new position like he was always a, a, a winger an out and out winger as well at, at Hull and Norwich, but he's kind of another string to his bow. I mean, he has played as a winger this yeah. season, but he seems to have come into his own playing in a more central role. Um, just never, just never would have had him down as that kind of player. No, I mean, he's been able to play in that role and excel in that role because of Lanzini's injury. Um, before Nashri came in, there was a bit of a gap there for him, and his opportunity to be a little bit more creative than perhaps he can be out wide, and he's really. He's really if anything, it's just like a, a second life for him, a sort of second bit of win for him in his mm. career. And um, the only way that continue, and, you know, Pellegrini clearly loves him, so definitely most improved. Yeah, love that. Okay, so Rice Fabianski doing the clean sweeps, but honourable. 
uh, noteworthy mention and most improved for Robert Snodgrass. Great, great stuff. Uh, Alfredo Morelos has scored, by the way, for Rangers there away at Aberdeen. Lucas Vasquez has scored for Real Madrid away at Barcelona. So we're on for this stat. The stats on. We are on for this stat. Stay tuned for that. Um, Up next here on the West Ham Fans on Love Sport Radio, we're going to cast our attentions to the game against Crystal Palace. Their former assistant manager, Keith Millen, will be on the phone. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice. The Opposition View on Love Sport. Okay, so Crystal Palace up next for West Ham in the Premier League. They are at Selhurst Park, a place that Keith Millen knows very well indeed. Keith, good evening. Good evening, Jake. Right, so it's it's been a, a good week, a good couple of weeks for Crystal Palace. They uh, got the point, didn't they, at Southampton when they were kind of on a high, uh, then went and beat Fulham, and I, I thought a brilliant deadline day signing in, in Michi Batshuayi. It's kind of all positive at the moment, isn't it, for those guys? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that, I mean, speaking to people at Crystal Palace, um, there was a good, they had a good sort of chance of winning the game against Southampton, and um, I think they were disappointed not to come away with the three points. So to go there and get a draw is, is always a good point. And um, the only downside, obviously, was Wilf getting sent off in, in the manner he did. So I think for them to then bounce back against Fulham without Wilf. Because um, I mean, everyone talks about they can't win without him. So I think for them to win again without him being in the team um, was a real positive. And I think uh, with Batshuayi signing, I mean uh, Ben Teke and hopefully Conor Wickham staying fit, all of a sudden Roy's got uh, it's like an abundance of centre forward. So which he's not had since he's been in the club. So I mean, if he can keep all three of them fit, he's got a great choice there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's two wins now, Keith, this season without Zaha in the, in, in the side. So they're starting to prove that they can do it. But obviously you mentioned Batshuayi and, and Benteke and these options that he's got now. But it actually means, doesn't it, that, that Roy perhaps can, can move Zaha back out wide in his, his more natural position and he can play those, those guys up front, which is can only mean kind of good news, can't it? I mean, I know the chaps in the studio are probably not hoping good news this weekend, but Roy's been crying out for these options, hasn't he, kind of across that, that front line? Well, you, quite often, some of their better performances is you mean Wilf and Andros have been playing as two forwards and sort of got them running down the side, so... Um, they've had success with that, but uh, it'd be interesting what uh, what Roy does now because, like you say, he has got options to put Wilf back wide. Um, whether he sees Crystal Palace then being a little bit too open with Wilf and Andros both wide and then playing, because also he's got Jordan Ayew as well up front. So um, he's not keen normally, Roy, with playing two out and out forwards and then two out and out wingers because it does tend to leave you a little bit exposed when you, when you lose the ball. So, um, knowing what, like I do, he want to make sure they sort of stay solid as a team. So, whether whether he can quite fit all four uh, of them forwards into the team uh, it will be interesting going forward. Yeah, and you mentioned there how well you do know Roy. I mean, how will, how are we looking now at, at the league table? Because they've, they've, they've not... At any point, being in proper danger, I think it's it's safe to say. But with those last couple of games and with those signings that have come in, is it is it safe to say we're in that place now with, with Palace where we are looking up as opposed to kind of over the shoulder? Well, I think it's always it's always better to try and look up because it's a lot more positive around the place if you can get that mindset. But you're always conscious of 
I mean, the teams sort of Cardiff have, have done well, to be fair, and, and they're sort of making a fight of it. So, I mean, there's only four points, I think, the gap still. So, I mean, that can turn around within a week. Um, so, I'm sure Roy was, is very conscious of that. And I think they'll be looking at uh, whether they do a points total to get to but normally sort of 36, 38. Um, you're pretty safe. So, um, for three or four wins... Um, I've always said that I always felt Palace would be okay because of Roy's organisation um, and the spirit and the, and the players they've got there um, and, I, and I certainly feel that there's three teams worse off than Crystal Palace so um, I never felt there was in any danger but it would be nice for, obviously to get them points on the board as quick as possible Okay, James here um... How you doing? Beginning of the season, uh, Palace at home were, were you know they couldn't they struggled to score a, a goal from open play for for quite quite a few games. I can't remember off the top of my head how many games it was, but recently they seem to have, have got a little bit more confidence at home. I mean, what do you put that down to? And do you think West Ham are going to have to be careful of that added sort of improved confidence back at Sellers Park? Yeah, I think um, you know I, I think the options for for Roy uh, going forward now are a lot better than they were at the start of the season. Um, West Ham games are a tricky one because um, they're a strange team. West Ham, I mean, on, on their day, I, mean, I saw them play against Liverpool and I thought they were very good. Um, they've had this issue with, with an out of it that seems to have been settled now. Mm. Um, so. Obviously, if he's fit and available, that makes a big difference for him because he, he can, he's a match winner on his day. So if he's got his head right and he's, he's available to play, then they've become a very dangerous team, West Ham. So um, I mean, they've had some success when I was there at West Ham. They were a little bit of a, a bogey team for us at Sadhurst. Um So it, it's a tough game uh, for both teams and a tough one to call. Um, so I think West Ham can be quite inconsistent uh, in their performances so um, Palace will feel confident now I mean the crowd are really behind them again you can hear the atmosphere there so it's a tough place for anyone to go and because it's a London, a London derby um, I think the, the noise will be cranked up as well so um, expect a, a good atmosphere and uh, I do think with the choices Palace have got now I think on their day, I think they, they can get the three points. Mm. Keith, with your manager's hat on here, looking at West Ham, they, they, they've they picked up some really good results and put in some really good performances, perhaps against the stronger sides in the Premier League this season. And, you know, like Crystal Palace, like West Ham, like Leicester, like various others, that they, they've maybe struggled in the games where teams haven't necessarily attacked them or, or, they, or they've struggled in the games against the teams in and, in and around them. How do you think West Ham kind of get over that? How do you progress as a, as a football side to be to be more than just a, a counter-attacking side against those better teams? Well, I think they, they need to get more consistency to their game, without a doubt. Um, I mean, he's chopped and changed his starting eleven, so it's difficult to get some consistency in in the team selection. Um, I, I look at West Ham and I, and I see that they've got a lot of uh, big names, big stars that on their day can be match winners. But then types of players do often be quite inconsistent in their performances um, and quite and you, you quite often see them sort of performing um, at their best against the bigger teams. So I think uh, to try and get more consistency out of their, their top players I think will help them. Um, but, I mean, they've got a strong squad there now. They've spent a lot of money. 
um, the expectations sort of levels has, has risen. So it's it's a difficult one to read because you, you're not quite sure what West Ham are going to turn up. Um, but on their day, their 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 most skillful players can win win the game for them without a doubt. So I'm sure Palace will be conscious of that and. Roy won't want them to, to leave themselves too open to the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, Keith, one, one player who's impressed me this year for, for Palace is a former West Ham man, Kuyate. Are, are we surprised maybe to, to pick him up and how impressed have you been by him in a Palace shirt? Yeah, I, I was surprised West Ham let him go, I must admit. Um, he's, he's a perfect type of player for Crystal Palace. Um, I think there's a bit of a, maybe a doubt on his on his fitness for the game. Um I think he might have an ankle problem, but uh, so it'd be interesting to see whether he's fit to play against his old team. But I think him and uh, Milivojevic in midfield really give Palace a sort of real strong look about them, uh, and then that that allows the likes of Wilf and Andros to sort of run and try and create chances. So there's a good balance there with with him in midfield. And um, I mean, if he's not available, then Palace do miss him. Because I think he's one of their key players now. Okay, so just lastly, we, we we know that Palace and, and Roy he likes to kind of set up his team kind of very very sol- solidly, and you do get a fairly consistent performance from them. So, so how do you think West Ham go about this? Do you think they need to go at Crystal Palace, or do you think they need to maybe sit tight and kind of almost cancel each other out and just hope and hope that you kind of get that get that moment and get that goal out of something and, and then hold on to it? How do you go about it? Well, yeah, I think you're right. Roy will set his team up pretty much like he does every week. Um, he likes them to be organised and, and have a real good shape to them. And, I mean, they've got enough players now that can win games for them, Crystal Palace. So, um, Roy won't change. Um, I think West Ham will, will be going there um, more on the front foot. I think certainly if Anousevic is fit um, and the, the winger Anderson, um, but they're, they're dangerous players on, on the on the on the front foot, really. So I don't see West Ham being a particularly great defensive team. I think their their strength is um, attacking teams. So I think uh, I think you'll see sort of Palace being a little bit more solid, um, and West Ham maybe going for it a little bit more. So um, it'd be interesting because both teams have got some really good attacking players that can can win games. So I think it'd just be. Your, on the day which one produces that bit of magic maybe that wins it for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keith, really enjoyed your time this evening. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Thanks a lot. There we are. Keith Millen there, uh, former Crystal Palace, uh, Bristol City, various, various clubs, a uh, top, top guy, really does know stuff. We're going to take a break. Only got 10 minutes or so left. We'll get the chaps in the studio's views ahead of that Crystal Palace game. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. Okay, there's been quite a few goals actually in these games this evening. Rangers now leading 2-1, Celtic 1-0 up and Real Madrid also 1-0 up. Goalers between Everton, Man City and West Brom Brighton. That one is an FA Cup fourth round replay. So guys, we've had the views of Keith Millen ahead of Palace West Ham on Saturday. There's not a lot in it in the table right now. If Palace win it, they're going to just be a couple of points uh, behind you. I mean, is, is your is your mind still very much still fixed on, on seventh as opposed to, to Crystal Palace behind you? 
I think we've got. Uh, we have to still be looking at seventh. I think Wolves. Uh, mate, I think is it six points ahead of us now. Yeah, Wolves they're six. Well, they're on thirty-eight. Yeah. You're on thirty-two. Yeah, and I mean that point on Monday night sort of keeps us. Does keep us. You know, within touching distance of Wolves. Uh, and we're going into a run of fixtures which are the same fixtures that we put that winning run on. Um, the, four, the four wins in a row. You know that involved Palace, um, Fulham, Newcastle, and Cardiff. And we've got those those four in our next five fixtures. And Man City away is the other one, which we won't we'll count. Ignore that. We'll just ignore it's a free that. Free hit. Free hit. So and then after that, it's Huddersfield at home. So it's a nice got, run. We've got a nice run of fixtures coming up, and um, you know, you know. If if we can rely on the likes of you know we can hope that the likes of Wolves they'll drop points Everton will drop points yeah. Bournemouth will still drop well, this points. Is the thing. Are we at the stage of the season now where actually playing those teams at the bottom is now becoming harder than your, your Bournemouths and your Leicesters? Do you know what I mean there's no doubt that Bournemouth are a better team than Fulham, but is the Fulham game now suddenly harder because it's kind of moving into the final third of the season? It always happens, doesn't yeah. it? Where they're you look, they're you look fighting at the, for actually, their lives. Yeah, not sure. That's harder. Um, West Ham have, have struggled against teams um, down the bottom traditionally. If you look at the teams that have been relegated, they've all pretty much took points off of West Ham in, in recent seasons. So it is a worry, but you, um, if West Ham want to finish seventh, have got to win these games full stop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely you do. So obviously it was a great result against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a great result, but a good performance. A really good performance. Loads of positives. So if you are... Pellegrini, you're the gaffer. You're picking that team. What do you do? Do you do you keep it the same? Do you keep it, or any of these players we spoke about earlier ready, and you want to come back in? I'd go unchanged. Um, there's no injury problems there. I know Arnautovic is is potentially going to be fit, but why why change a, a team that that played really well against uh, really well against you know a potential you know Premier League champions? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, un- completely unchanged. I thought, you know, Baz Cook said it earlier when he was on the phone that, you know, not a lot of credit's been given to the way Hernandez played in place of Arnautovic. Yeah, he played well. Deserves to start again, in my opinion. I think Arnautovic needs to, given what's happened, needs to fight for his place back. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with James. I was going to say, can't change a winning team. It wasn't quite a winning team. It's a team that should have won. Yeah. So um, Arnautovic and Nazari, if he's back, would be quite attractive options to bring on from the bench. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and and anyone in that Palace side that you're a little bit kind of wary of, I mean, Zaha is back after after his ban. They've brought him back to is linked with, with West Ham. They do have some, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's workmanlike in places, Palace, but they do then have a couple of maybe outstanding outstanding players. Yeah, obviously Zaha's always going to be a threat. Is he, is he definitely back? Um, yeah. It, I thought he was still suspended. We'll have to double check that. I'm fairly certain he's he's back. He only misses the one game. Okay. I think it was only a one game ban which he didn't play against. Right. If, I, if I'm wrong, feel free to, to message in and tell me I'm wrong. But then, you know, even if you know, if he does play then yeah, he's a threat. Uh Andros Townsend's had a great season so far. Um I don't agree with Keith's comments on uh Coate. I don't think he's much of a threat for midfield. Mm. It's interesting though, because again I, I spoke to the Crystal Palace guys actually like, last night and we, we mentioned Cuyate and they they kind of like he 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 keeps his place at the moment. If Zaha's back and they do a reshuffle, Qiyati keeps it. He got, he got, la- by he got lazy for us. First yeah. season with us was brilliant, and he got lazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, chaps. Hopefully, he has a lazy one on Saturday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you win the game. Uh, let's get some score predictions from you both, please, James. You go first, please, mate. Uh, I, I reckon we're going to win two-one. Okay, three-two West Ham. Goals, goals, goals. Lovely stuff. I mean, I can't envisage that many goals actually. So her part, but look, <laughs> it's your show. Thanks. It's your choice, your words. Thank you very much indeed. It's been James Jones from West Ham World. And we have had Luke Glanville as well from 
West Ham Matters. West Ham Matters. Perfect stuff. Chaps, we'll see you next week. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.